And I want to minister the word of the Lord to you as we have been receiving the blessings of His grace. I want to minister to you on the topic of belonging, a spirit of belonging. Last week we saw that we belong to Jesus Christ, and to belong to Him is the greatest fulfillment and hunger of every human heart. You've come home, you've come home to God. And so the spirit of belonging is defined for us in Matthew 11. And in this portion of Scripture, as Jesus speaks, he is doing a compare and contrast between the religious efforts of the Pharisees and the spirit of liberty and salvation that he brings. And we can see that we want to model ourselves after Christ as a church so that when people come into the assembly of God's children, they are welcomed with the same spirit of Jesus Christ, right? Doesn't that make sense? That we would reflect Christ. And so let me share with you the spirit of belonging. There are three principles found here this morning in this scripture, and I want to elaborate on them. First of all, it says this, Jesus said, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying, come unto me, all of you who are weary and you are heavy laden with your efforts, with your labors, with your works. You're weary and you're heavy laden with your sins and your failures before God. So you have to work harder to feel that you're uh, satisfying God and, and there's just a burden in this repetition. He says, but come unto me and I will give you rest. I will give your souls rest. He's speaking to the depth of our being where we can find rest. Now, he is speaking directly against what the Pharisees had done to the law of God in Judaism. God said, keep the Sabbath holy, and the Pharisees added 600 laws on how to keep the Sabbath holy. You can only go so far when you walk on that day. You can only tie a knot with one hand, not two. You can only do this or do that. And so they had burdened the people with a rigorous law of trying to be holy and trying to be sanctified when in all reality by faith in the sacrifice that was offered for them was the sanctification for sin. And so he says against the Pharisees, in Matthew 23, 4, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. The burdens of the Pharisees, of the religious leaders, of the religious class, many times we've put that burden on each other. You're not good enough. I'm better than you are. I see your sin. You're doing what? We place these burdens. Peter said this, Acts 15.10, Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? Peter's also talking about that yoke and bondage of a works-based salvation. And the Lord is saying that salvation is not accomplished by your best effort. 
It's accomplished by me. Come to me, and I will give you rest. I will bear your burdens and release you from a works-based effort to please God. As Paul put it, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more. The love of God is found in Christ Jesus. It's to come to that love, to find Him, and to be relieved of our own efforts and failures and shame and guilt when we can't do it. It's a vicious cycle. Now, what is this saying? Is it, is it saying that, well, Christianity, you don't have to obey the law. The law is gone. We can do whatever we want to do. We've got the blood of Jesus. We're good to go. I got my ticket to heaven. Go ahead. Do what you want. You're saved. That's called antinomianism, and that is not the case. We are to, in fact, fulfill the works of the law. But we can now do it because we have the person of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. That's how we fulfill the works of the law. You see, we could not do it. The law came to show that we were all sinners. We could not achieve righteousness on our abilities. And so Christ came and died for us, and our guilt was put upon Him. And He took the judgment for our sin, so that now in doing that, we put our faith in Him. He then puts His Spirit in us so that we can fulfill the law of God. What is the law of God? What are the commandments of God? What is the chief commandment? Jesus, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. I couldn't do that without the Spirit of God living in me. I'm too selfish to do that, to be honest with you. I'm too self-centered and too sin-focused. But now that I have faith in Christ, He put His Spirit in me, and now I can love God with my whole mind as the Spirit illuminates it, my whole soul as the Spirit strengthens me, and my whole body as my arms are no longer instruments of wickedness, but now instruments of righteousness. I can love God now with my whole heart, mind, soul, and body. Thus fulfilling the law of God. And the second law is what? To love your neighbors as yourself or as your own. I, I can love you now because i got the Spirit of Jesus in me. Before I would judge you, I'd determine whether I wanted to bother with you or not. But now the Holy Spirit of God is in me. And the Spirit of Christ that beckons to all now beckons through me. See, so this... This is a, a new burden put on me by the Spirit of God. It is not a burden of failure. It's a burden of love. Love the Lord your God. And that's what John says. That apostle of love, he says this. 1 John 5, 3. This is love for God to obey His commands. And His commands are not burdensome. The Pharisees were not putting the burden of love on the people. They were putting a yoke of bondage and shame and guilt. You're not as good as I am. We don't want to be in a church that does that. We want to be in a church that puts the burden of love. That I have been delivered from my, the power of sin in my life. I can now love by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And now this is not burdensome. Because I am motivated by a furnace that burns in me to love God with my whole heart, mind, soul, and body and love you as I love myself. That's the commands of God. You see, God didn't get rid of the law. What did He do with it? He fulfilled it. That means it has value and purpose. Jesus fulfilled the law. 
How many of you know what the Great Commission is? Have you heard the Great Commission? See, see I, I, I'll ask people what the Great Commission is and we'll get one answer. It means to go. Right? And then someone will say, yeah, well, it means to go, but it means to go and baptize. Okay? And it means to go, well, let's go a little further. Well, what it means to do is to disciple and teach. But what do we need to get to the bottom of? What are we discipling and teaching and doing? To teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. What happens is we run out of fuel when we're quoting the Great Commission. We fall short of what it is actually all about. We are to go into all nations to teach and disciple nations on how to obey the commands of Jesus Christ. Well, that sounds a little legalistic to me. When you say commands, I'm a little nervous about that. But because of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we can now fulfill the demand of Christ's command which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we're to teach all nations. And we can do that if they would do one thing. Come unto me, says Jesus, and the law will be fulfilled. Come unto me, and you can love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and body. Come unto me, and I'll teach you how to love your neighbor. Come unto me, and I will release shame and guilt and sin off of your back. Come unto me, and I will give you eternal life. Come unto me, and you will hear the word of God in your life and for you. Come to me, says the Lord. So, he didn't abolish the law, he fulfilled it. And what did he say would happen if we come to him? He said, we will find what? Rest. Rest. Rest from your labors. Rest from trying to please God because you can only please him by coming to Jesus who is his good pleasure. You come to him, you can have rest. You can have rest. Shalom. Peace. This world has robbed us of any peace we could find. This world is looking for peace. There's such angst in everybody's heart and soul. No one can find peace. i got to calm myself down. I need a cigarette. Or I need to smoke something else. Or I need some pills. I need rest. I need peace. I need to get out of this marriage. I need to get out of this house. I need peace. I need rest. Turn the TV on. We are looking for peace in all these places that are cheap imitations of the shalom. There's only one place for peace. And He gave us an invitation. He said, come, come unto Me. And I will give you rest for your soul. How many of you love resting? Just, I like it. We all love to rest. You sit down in a comfortable chair, you put your feet up and say, I'm done. Don't talk to me. I don't want to think about anything. Rest. Have you noticed you can't even get rest while you're sleeping? What is it when you get older? It doesn't even help. Sleeping does not help. Forget about it. Your dreams are driving you nuts. It's crazy. Jesus says, come unto me. <laughs> I will give you rest. 
I will give you rest. You know that there are so many people committing suicide and, and you wonder why. It's because they are, they are so broken and they cannot find any place to rest their soul. And all they understand is that if I could just stop this for a minute. Oh, if we would become so compassionate to begin to understand where people are at. And know that there is one who is calling to whom him who cannot find any rest. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. And I will give you rest. Rest is entering into your God-designed place. You see, as they sang, we love him because he loved us first. He has called you to himself. It's a God-designed place for you to find rest. I love what Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. A place that he designed for you. He called you. And so he knows what it would take to give you rest. He knows what worries you. He knows what causes you fret. He knows what causes you concern. He says, come unto me. You're weary with this. Come to me. I'll give you rest. We always think of this as just salvation. Could I tell you that the believers need to reread this verse again? How many of you need to just come to Jesus to get some rest? You're weary, you're heavy laden, you're burdened, you took back on all of those efforts. He says, come to me and I'll give rest for your soul. So it's a belonging to Christ. You find rest when you know I belong to Jesus. He'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me. There's a rest you can have that no matter what I face today, I am still rested in God. No more striving. No more attacks. Every time you look in the Old Testament concerning the word rest, when God speaks to Israel and says, I will give you rest in the land, I will give you rest, what he says is, and I will cover you on all sides. Your enemies will not attack you. How many of you need rest from an enemy? Come into the fortress of Jesus Christ. When the enemy hounds you and says, you're no good, you're no good to God. You're no good to anybody else. You're such a loser. You're such a failure. Jesus says, come on, come on. Come unto me, and I'll guard you on all sides. You don't listen to that devil. Don't listen to the one who's hounding you. Don't listen to the one who's prowling to attack you. Come to me. It's a place of belonging. And this is the key to belonging that Jesus says. It will give you peace. So as a church, what we want to accomplish is a spirit of belonging. A sense of peace so that when someone walks into this group, it's not the building, it's the gathering. It's not the building, it's the body. When people come near the body of Christ, what they need to feel is a peace that they can walk into. Something different about this place. These people have a hope. These people have an assurance. They have a strength. Walk in this room, I'm accepted. I've come unto Christ himself because if we're the body, we better represent Jesus Christ. I've come to him. And so the first sense is a place of rest. I'll give your soul rest. When you come here, you need rest. You don't need agitation. You don't need condemnation. You need rest for your soul. But I sinned. I failed God last night. I'm not worthy to come amongst you. Yes, you are. Come on. Jesus says, come on, come on. 
He's got a remedy for your sin-sick soul. He's got a remedy for where you have failed so that he can teach and instruct and help you overcome sin. Because guess what? It's not a secret. Everybody in this place has failed him. So come, join us. So that's the first principle he provides is peace and rest. Now, a lot of times we think rest is like sitting back and just uh, doing nothing. But true peace is a tranquility and a satisfaction that, as one man put it, said this, it's not blissful inactivity. Rather, it is one of unhampered constructive activity. Wouldn't you love to do something without interruption and without it falling apart or rusting away? You know, this world is under the curse of death. Everything we do begins to corrode and fade. I can't wait for being in Christ in the full redemption when we begin to do things and they last forever. said, you're going to have fruit that will last, that will endure. It won't be robbed. It won't be stolen. A thief can't take it. Somebody can't break it. It's kind of like having kids. All the nice things you had, they already broke. And what you were trying to get accomplished can't be accomplished. You need to attend to them. But it's good to have peace and rest. Safety from our enemies. Rest for our souls. Weary and heavy laden. That's what Jesus is offering. Instead of a religion that binds you with regulations and legalism, He's saying, come to Me and you will be set free. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Freedom from death freedom from sin, power to overcome it, and live a fruitful, triumphant, victorious life. I'll give you rest. And this world needs it. They want it. They want it. Now, how do we get it? He says this, and I love it. He says, take my yoke upon you. Now, this isn't just any yoke. This is his yoke, Christ's yoke. Now, what is a yoke? And I'm not talking about eggs. A yoke is what you put upon the shoulders to ease the burden of work. The Pharisees had a yoke of bondage that were locking people into condemnation and guilt. But Jesus offers a yoke to overcome sin. Will you be yoked with me to be victorious? You see, you carried water, heavy water jugs. You put a yoke on your shoulder. You could carry them. You couldn't pick them up with your hands, but if you had a yoke, it enabled you to do that. Now, yokes typically in this age were made of wood, and the person that made yokes were the carpenters of the city. Does anybody happen to remember what occupation Jesus held before he was a rabbi? Yeah, he knew how to make a yoke. And what he says about his yoke is beautiful because he says, come, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is what? Easy. Now, in our 21st century American mind, we think easy, piece of cake. And then you say, wait a minute, my Christianity has not been a piece of cake. That word easy doesn't mean, you know, sit back, Jesus says, I'll take care of all this. You guys just, he said, be yoked with me. First of all, what a privilege that the king of glory will personally yoke himself to you. Oh, come on, right? He doesn't say, Gabriel, there's another one. Go, you know, send an angel, yoke them together and do the best you can. He said, you're going to be yoked with me. Jesus personally yokes himself unto us. Our faith in Christ puts us into him, and we are yoked with him. And what he means by my yoke is easy. The word easy in the Greek best translated is well-fitted. 
It's fit for you. You see, when you're putting this yoke upon the oxen, and many times if you're not taking the time to care, that wood has splinters and it can cut into their necks. If its edges are sharp, it will begin to scar them. It will begin to hinder them. It might be too small for them. And as they're working in the fields, they become irritated and agitated. And it does them no good. But Jesus said, take my yoke upon you because it's fitted well for you. This grace that God has for us is sufficient. It's satisfying. And we are yoked with Him. And as we're yoked with Him, He encourages us and we stay fitted with Him. Joined together with Him to do the labors and the work of the kingdom of God. It's a good fit. The Pharisees yoked people in bondage. It's easy and well-fitted because it is by faith we are saved, not by works, so that no man can boast. This yoke that Jesus says, come unto me, he says, is a love relationship, not a work relationship. You come to Christ out of love, and his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. Now, I think about the different ways people in churches have a sense of belonging. So they yoke people into a situation. And may I say this, that uh, to be yoked, some people put that bondage on others. And it's a legalism. They yoke you and say, you're not good enough, you're not this, you're not that, you failed again, you did this miserably, blah, 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 blah. And there's a burden that the Pharisees put on coming to God as if they were good enough to come to God. And so we don't want to be a church that has to say, look, in order for you to come and get saved, you need to clean up your act. You need to get rid of this. You need to get rid of that. You need to get rid of this. And we don't recognize or realize we're doing it, but we do it. We say, oh, wow, you're new here? Yeah, oh, you've got a drug habit? Oh, yeah, um, yeah, you need to clean up your act. We're sanctified in this place. (laughs) The only way we are sanctified is because we are yoked with Jesus Christ, and it's His righteousness, not our righteousness. But we can go the other route, too. We can go to be the cool church. (laughs) Come on, everybody. It doesn't matter what you do. Jesus loves you. Yeah, let's go to church and afterwards we'll get high together. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's okay. We're saved. We're good. You know how often that happens? In churches? It's all right. No, we're not going to speak about that issue. We could get people upset. We're cool. Everybody loves us. Come on in, everybody. Can I show you what it means to be yoked with Jesus Christ? It is the cross of our Lord Jesus. That is the yoke we wear. When you are yoked to Christ, as Galatians 2 says, I was crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The yoke that we are yoked to Him with is the yoke of the cross. 
The cross that says, I have sinned and fallen short, but the grace of God has saved me. By my faith I am forgiven, and I am yoked to the cross. I will crucify my flesh daily. I will live to the power and strength that God has given me by His blood. By grace do I stand in the blood of Christ that cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Oh, I'm yoked with Christ. See, what we need is in, in a sense of belonging in this church. Look, if people belong to the Elks Club, to the Moose Club, to the Chicken Club, to the uh, whatever club's out there, to the, to the Shriners and to the, to the uh, you name the club, there's clubs. They don't need another club. The church should not be another club in someone's life. It should be the central part of a relationship with Jesus. Jesus didn't say, come unto my club. Come to my society. Right? What did he say? Come to me. A church should be a place where people come to Jesus. They find the presence of Jesus. They know his presence in this place. Because what we recognize, every one of us, is that it's but by the grace of God, by the cross of our Lord, that has yoked us into salvation. And when he says, my burden is light, is because he carried the burden of our sin. And has given us the gift of righteousness by his blood. Just because it's easy and it's light doesn't mean it should be abused. Not when you're yoked to the cross, you will never forget what it costs to save you. And that's what we belong to. We belong to a group of people who adore their Savior who died for them. And that message tells a world, you belong here too. You belong here too. We've got room for you because Jesus wants you to come to him. That is powerful in the word of belonging, the sense of belonging. Now let's go on. Let's go on to the third part. We see that it's a sense of peace. It's a sense of coming and being yoked to him. And then last of all, he says, learn of me. Learn of me. Learn of me. We have developed so many doctrines and so many ideologies and, and tenets that we have people join our doctrinal society. Now don't get me wrong, I'm a very strong proponent of doctrine according to the word of the Lord. But if doctrine ever replaces a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we're in trouble. And the church has become this society of, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? What? You don't believe that? I'm sorry, I can't fellowship with you. We're so fractured over doctrine. Huh? Right? I belong to the garment of Jesus Club. I belong to the sandal of Jesus Club. I belong to the... You know, why don't we just par pick different parts of Jesus that we belong to? That's what it comes down to, right? Well, we sprinkle, we dunk. Oh, Come on. People are trying to find a place to belong for rest for their souls and they have to look up on a checklist of do you believe that, do you believe that, do you believe that, do you believe that? Jesus says, come to me. I'll give you rest. Yoke yourself with me and then learn from me. Could you have enough patience with, the, with people to let the Holy Spirit teach them? Isn't it funny how we have to instruct everybody about how they should obey Jesus? I think the Holy Spirit's better than us. 
probably more qualified. But we, we do that. And so what Jesus says is this. He says, learn of me. You're yoked with me. Walk with me. Learn of me. And he gives these two qualifying words. He says, learn of me for I am. Okay, now this is what we're supposed to learn, right? Learn of me for I am what? Gentle and humble in spirit. So in order to have an understanding of the spirit of belonging, we first want to create a spirit of peace and a spirit of yoking ourselves personally with Jesus. And the third part is this, to walk gently and in humility. Because he says, that's what you need to learn from me. And so what is gentleness? What is gentleness? May I say that the spirit of this age has done everything it can to eliminate that spirit among us gentleness. I mentioned this last week. Gentleness. There used to be a name for people. We called people gentlemen. Can you find a gentleman anywhere? Gentlemen. Gentlewomen. I don't think we ever said gentlewomen. Women are just supposed to be. Ladies. Very good. Thank you. Well, let me teach you a new word. Affable. Never heard of this word. Affable. And as we're studying in the Strong's Concordance, it said that the best English word for gentleness is affable. And the word affable means this, being pleasant and at ease in talking to others. Think of Jesus. Jesus would come up to a woman who he knew was in adultery and had five different husbands, and he came to her and said, could you get me a drink of water? Let's talk. To a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, ready to be stoned by the law, he came up to her and he said, I do not condemn you, for I did not come to condemn. I came to heal those who need a physician. I came to save. He said, now go and sin no more. Her encounter with him, the gentle spirit of Christ, led her into the soul of God. Be pleasant and at ease in talking to others. Easygoing, showing warmth and friendliness, kind and mild. Easy to converse with, approachable, amicable, inviting. A church of the Lord Jesus Christ should be inviting. You need to know Jesus. You need to come together with our place. Oh man, our people love on you. And people come and can I sit there? That's my seat. You can sit in the back. Really? can I do to get it? You can't do this. You can't do that. Stop it. See, and, and we say, oh, hi, you're new here? Yeah. Oh, I don't know you. And you look for someone you do know. We walk around each other. We walk away from each other. But a gentle spirit is welcoming. Hey, how are you doing? What's your name? How are you doing? Hey, what's new? Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? How'd you find this place? What's going on? There's just a gentleness. Do you remember what they called Jesus? They called him a glutton and a wine-bibber. In other words, he was, he, they, they called him drunk and always eating. Because they said, you, you want to find Jesus? Go to some sinner's house. He's probably eating dinner with them. Because of his gentleness, it was a sense of, I need to touch someone's life. I need to care for you. It's a gentle heart. See, when, when you uh, walk through a door, you care about the person after you. 
That's a gentle spirit. You, you open the door for someone. It doesn't just have to be for ladies. Just hold the door. You'll be surprised. People love that, right? You're, you're, you care. Someone drops something. You pick it up. Excuse me, you dropped this. Wow. They give you too much change uh, at, at the cash register. You say, I'm sorry, you gave me too much change. You gave me $100 back when I only should have had one. Mm-hmm, there's a test. That's just called honesty. But a church should be a place where we are reaching, finding out, aren't you glad that someone who didn't know Jesus is here today? Will they come back? That's on you. Now, he said humble. I love what C.S. Lewis said about humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. You know what cracks me up? We have so much self-help, self-indulgent, uh, uh, if you will, but we're, we're, we all feel so good about ourselves. What cracks me up is the church has become a motivational center, a positive motivational center about you. Be the best you. Be all you can be. Learn how to be the best you that you can be. These are the best-selling books of Christian authors. And so we all feel good about ourselves, (laughs) but we are failing miserably in portraying Christ. Humility is me concerning myself more about you than about me. You know, see, here's the thing. When you belong to Christ and you have that sense of belonging and that peace to belong to Him, you don't have to worry about you anymore. Right? I'm a child of God. He cares for me. And so my concern now is you. Can you imagine if we came into a place when everybody, where everybody was more concerned about the other person than themselves? What kind of an atmosphere would that be? Wow, that would be a welcoming place, wouldn't it? We'd be tripping over each other if a new person came. <laughs> right? You're new here? Hey, how you doing? Can I get you something? Can you want a chair? Huh? What can I do for you? What can we do? And everybody else saying, no, I've got this. Let me take care of them. Wouldn't it be wonderful if when we got in our pews, all we cared about was the person around us? Are you okay? How you been this week? You see the sense of belonging that creates? It's a humility. I don't need to worry about me. You know why I don't need to worry about me? I've got 300 people right here worrying about me. You see, that's what it breeds. That what it's, you don't have to worry about you because I care for you. You see, so we, be, we lose the self-centeredness and we become so humble and gentle towards others. So these are the aspects of belonging. We want to be a church that creates that. We, what is the opposite of gentle and humble? Strong and condemning. It's the Pharisee model, right? We don't want to be that as a church. I'm sorry, wait a minute. Yeah, just stand there. Lift your arms like this, please. Okay, thank you. Do you praise God? Do you believe in this? Do you believe in that? Uh-huh. Any bad habits? Hmm? I'm sorry, you'll have to leave. Now, look at this, but we are to be gentle and humble. Isn't it funny how such a simple gesture makes the difference? From this to this. And many times we're unaware of how we've talked or acted. Many times, I do it myself, many times before a service, I'll I'll say, hi, how you doing? How you doing? And what I really mean is, how you doing? How you doing? 
I've got to go. We do that. Well, I have to do it. I've got to be here up at front in the service and get things in order. But many times we do that. We're not, we say, how you doing? But we don't care. So we say it like this. How you doing? Don't tell me. That was my gratuitous hello. I really don't care. If, if it really spoke. Right? But it isn't amazing what a difference between this and this can become. Everybody do this. I did this in the first service, and some people were really exuberant to do it, and I felt like there's Nazism here. Some <laughs> Heil Hitler. Yeah, some of you put your hand down and say, I ain't doing that. No. <laughs> All right, it's a word picture. Put, it's a hand picture. Put your hand up like that. All right, now what we want to do is change the spirit of the church and our assembly together from this, now do this, to this. It's that simple. It's that slight of a change, but it's an attitude difference. That's what we want to achieve. When people come into this place, it's not a put off, it's a welcome. And that's what Jesus was saying to us. He was saying that to mankind, to the world. Come to me. Come to me. You're weary. You're heavy laden. You're burdened by sin and failure. Come to me. I'm going to give your soul rest. He said, I'm going to yoke myself with you and we're going to walk in life together and I'm going to teach you how to be gentle and how to be humble to carry my presence wherever you go. That's the heart of Jesus Christ. That's the heart of belonging. I conclude with this. We want to be a church that, number one, is secure in Christ. Welcome people in that this is a place that has the presence of Christ. Come, be secure, find your place in Jesus here. Number two, we want to be a people who walk together in their faith, yoked together. You're struggling in an area? You know what? I had to go through that. Could I yoke with you? Let's walk together, and I'll help you understand how to overcome those issues. Or you know what? I know someone in, in this assembly that went through the same thing. Could I introduce you to them? And they'll connect with you. You see, we're going to walk. We're going to yoke together. That's belonging. We're going to know that we belong to Christ, coming to him. When we assemble, we're coming to Jesus. When we walk together, we walk by faith. Thirdly, we are going to learn from Jesus and his character and his nature. Look it. I'm going to mess it up every now and then, but could you just hang with me? All right? There's going to be times that I just didn't do some things Christ-like. I, I, I failed. Would you forgive me and would you yoke with me and would you keep walking with me? And I'll do the same for you because I want to be gentle and humble and recognize that we're all going to fail but we're in this together because we're called by Christ. We'll be friendly and we'll care for each other. That is the spirit of belonging and that's what Christ wants in his people. As we gather together, he wants his presence from Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to be here. And as it is, then we can begin to invite people into the presence of Jesus. Aren't you excited about this? I'm going to invite people to Jesus. You know what? Can I encourage you? Invite people next Sunday and Wednesday. Look, at there's places for them. There's a spot here for them. Nobody sits in the front row. We've got to put something here so that people will sit here. Yeah, you know, it's just I'm going in that front row. There's, there's two here, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Man, there's about almost a hundred more seats. Aren't you excited we can get a hundred more people to come to Christ? 
Yeah, come on, let's go invite them. They belong here. They belong here. Anybody? They belong here. Would you agree? And as they come in, we're going to be gentle and humble to them. Assure them that they're being yoked to Jesus Christ and not to some religion and not to some rule and regulation, but a personal living life with Jesus who will teach with them. Walk with them. Care for them as we care for them. That's the church of the Lord Jesus. Amen? Let's bow our heads.